right, welcome back, Chris. Here Thank we you. are, ready yeah. for our, our fifth of the six episodes yeah. in this uh, this podcast series. Uh, we're talking about the four habits of joy-filled people. And our core image in all of this has been a house. The yeah. idea that we have an inner world and this inner house that we live in. Yeah. It's either going to be fear or it's going to be joy. That's right. And way too many of us are way too familiar with a fear house. And this happens because at a very early age, when we're in that infant, child, toddler stage of life, a lot of us don't get all of the nurture, training, right. you know, help that we need to feel big emotions, yeah. to recover from those emotions. And things in our, our brains just don't develop the way that they're intended to be to, to develop. That's right. Yeah, that's right. You know, we're as little ones, we are dependent upon someone outside of me to help me learn to manage my feelings and comfort me when I'm upset and meet those needs. And and you're exactly right. Sometimes we don't have those timely responses that are predictable, consistent. Whereas we, you know, those needs were met. And so what happens is we might have to learn some of these skills later. Uh, which is really what we're after with with this podcast and book, yeah. right? So we're saying if if that was you, you were somebody who missed out on some things. You, you know, didn't necessarily. It doesn't mean that you were abused, yeah, but right. that has happened to way too many yeah. people. The, yeah. uh, um, it, but it means that you missed out on some things. Yeah. And uh, so what we're talking about is how do I begin to transition from the fear house, fear being the foundation of my house in, a, in that inner world, to a joy house. And so the foundations are calming and appreciating and learning how to quiet from upsetting emotions, learning to practice appreciation on a daily basis, a regular basis that begins to actually transform the chemistry in my brain, right. uh, begins to grow the joy center in my brain. And then uh, on this foundation, we put a structure, and this structure are the joy pathways that allow us to get from the back part of our brain to the front part of our brain so that we are uh, not trapped in the negative emotions, but we can get back to joy. Yep. And so that's kind of the storytelling structure. In this episode, we're going to be putting a roof on this structure, and that yep. roof is appropriately, you know, talking about our thought life. And so this is about attacking toxic thinking. Uh, let's face it, how often our emotions are, are you know, t just sabotaged by the, the thoughts that we can't seem to get uh, a hold of, and they just yeah. take, take control of our, our, our thought life and ruin any kind of joy that we might otherwise have. That's right, and I have a feeling most of us can relate to that, Marcus, where we have thoughts that's just not growing our joy, it's not growing our peace, these toxic thoughts. And I think people are going to be very interested in what we have to say on this one. Yeah, so what we found is that there are um, two different engines driving our, our, our emotions at this level. There is um, attachment or bonding that drives our emotions. Yeah. And so the big six negative emotions are actually driven by attachment primarily. And that is when something is wrong in my relational attachments with people, it makes me feel sadness or anger or disgust or shame or, you know, yeah, anxiety sure. or despair. When I am, uh, uh, but my beliefs are another engine. Right. So, for example, one of the differences between fear and, and anxiety, this is yeah. a good time to kind of separate Tease those two. Yep. So fear is a reaction at an attachment level to something that is not safe in my environment. I am reacting. Yep. Anxiety is always rooted in what I believe. Yeah. So I remember uh, Dr. Wilder, I was talking to him about this one time, and he said that uh, anxiety is always rooted in imagination. And I thought well, that's pretty a powerful thing because yeah. it is always reacting to what if. That's right. right? Scenarios. What, yeah. What if this? And I can imagine something that I couldn't handle. 
And so that's directly related to my thought life. I'm not actually facing something in my immediate reality, but I am imagining something I may have to face down the road. And now I am already having all these fear reactions to the imagination of, of anxiety. Yeah. So we live in a, in a very anxious world, we right? Do. Anxiety is really taken over because yeah. let's face it, we're bombarded with uh, reasons. A lot of what if right? scenarios. A lot of what if scenarios yeah. Uh, yeah. that are, are really throughout. That's one of the reasons why you kind of got to limit your your media intake because yeah. you know our brains really weren't wired to be bombarded with uh, quite this much fear and anger right. all of the time. That's and, right. And people know, you know, if I if if I can activate your fear, then you'll keep coming back. And so, in a sense, there's a lot there's a lot of that in the world. Like if I keep scaring you with things, I know you're going to keep coming back yeah. because your attention wants to know what's going to happen yeah. here. It's a powerful force, Marcus. Yeah, it's a clickbait. It's it, how we get yeah, uh, people to right. listen to the podcast in the first place. Anyway, yeah. No, there's <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, so what we want to do is talk about a few tools that we explain in the book. Uh, that are tools that people can use for doing battle with these uh, thought life. And yeah. I got to say, one of the people who laid this out most beautifully for me was Dr. Daniel Amen. Mm, yes. So yes. Dr. Amen was, again, one of these pioneers yeah. who got in early on the, the brain science stuff coming out of the UCLA Med yeah. Center and some of these other places. And uh, his analogy is uh, of ants and anteaters yeah so now are you familiar with his ant story yeah i know that he came home from work one day right and somehow some ants have gotten into his house and he has all these ants swarming in his house and he was what's going on here and i think that image mark is yeah. stuck with him for it did well and he had just had a series of clients that day who were really uh kind of all had big problems and he was making this connection between the swarming ants mm. and the swarming thoughts, thoughts that these yeah. clients were having and then went to a n t and it was a automatic and negative t thoughts and he was like you know what my clients are having these swarms of automatic negative thoughts and i'm like wow that's just genius Good picture yeah. And it got better because he's like, well, well, how do you overcome automatic negative thoughts? You turn your brain into an ant eater. Mm -hmm. So let's turn our brain into something that recognizes mm -hmm. these automatic negative thoughts and, and, and deals with them. So we want to give credit, Dr. Eamon, yeah. for... You know. And all his offices have anteaters in the lobby, from yeah. what I've been told. So this is a very helpful picture. Yeah, it's a helpful picture. So part of what we're... What, what's really at the heart of this, though, is this idea that we need to recognize common thought patterns and then already have a battle plan in place for replacing those with different thinking. So this actually still connects to those sad, sad emotions, right? And that is that, for example, when I'm thinking of sadness, when I feel sad, feeling sad will trigger common set of beliefs for me. So if I uh, feel sad, I will, I will often feel like, nothing ever goes my way or this never works out or whatever. And, yeah. and so what I do is I learn to recognize when I'm feeling sad, what are those thoughts that automatic, the toxic thoughts out. that automatically play out. Yeah. Let's identify them, recognize them, good. write them out. That's good. Then, uh, and then I want to take the next step. I want to say, so what do our thoughts do I want to replace those with? Yeah. So I've already got that battle plan yeah. in place. Let's so, update those thoughts. 
Right. So the next time I'm sad and I hear that familiar litany of thoughts going through my head, I'm like, wait, I recognize those thoughts. Those are the ants. I need to eat those thoughts. So I need to replace them with something else. That's right. And that's a very hopeful message, right? Like we can learn a lot. I can remember a time at one of our Thrive trainings. um, I was having lunch with some friends and I slid over on the bench and I slid off the bench (laughs) onto the floor (laughs) and my plate dropped and every head in that cafeteria turned and looked at me, Marcus, and I felt some shame, right? I, I, yeah, you're the, you're, the, you're the head honcho. Yeah, man. I'm the guy. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what is this guy doing over there? And uh, I, I felt some shame. I, I was flooded with shame, which was that emotional reaction that Marcus is talking about. But then I noticed my thoughts like, why? I can't believe you did that. Like, what are you thinking? What? You know, and I just, but I thankfully caught it early. And I was with people that were still glad to be with me. But just catching that, nope, I don't want to go down that road of like blaming and shaming. So I just, that was an accident. Yeah. Well, and I noticed too, like in my life, it it triggers the thinking that for a lot of times, um, one of the fastest negative thoughts that would come up for me is you're such an idiot. Mm, Yeah. You know, and I'm not like an A student. I've got doctoral work, wow. master's yeah. degrees. You're no, no, no one has ever called me yeah. stupid, right? right? But I have, I, I, but I call myself idiot mm. all of the time, and I realize that I would do that with other people too, because I'm yeah. like, what, what an idiot? What were yeah. they thinking? Yeah. And like, where did that come from? One. So that's a little bit different question. What are yeah. the roots there that created yeah. that in the first place? Right. But learning to replace that thought, like, no, 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 no. I need to replace that. That's There's great. a. That's not going to be a. That's a toxic thought. I don't want to have. That's right. Be there. So I know for myself, like if I had slid off that bench. Mm-hmm. There would have been a strong temptation to go call myself an yeah. idiot, to go down that road. Yep. And so I've got to learn to recognize quickly, oh, wait, Good. no, that's the normal fast thing that yeah. comes automatically. I need to replace that, and I need to go in a different that's direction. Good. And like, okay, now that was just, you're not stupid. Right. That was just an accident. Right. It happened to anybody. And you go on, and you, you, you have something concrete to think about. Mm. It's good. Yeah, it's good. And and even to recognize sometimes these are pain driven, right? Like sometimes we learn these really unhelpful things early in life. But I love what you're saying that w- so I don't have to be content to accept these unwanted thoughts right. that come into my mind. Yeah, that's kind of the uh, the, the principle here. Nice. So, give you an example. I have a, another friend Carl Payne, right? Mm-hmm. That who talks about replacing thoughts in our brain. I love his mm-hmm. analogy. He said, "If I'm uh, if I'm thinking about a pink, big pink elephant with giant green sunglasses wearing booties, <laughs> okay, and I, it doesn't do me any good to say stop thinking yeah. about pink elephants with yeah, giant right, green yeah, glasses gonna, and booties. You know, would you quit thinking you about, think it? about it? Yeah. He says you've got to replace the thought. He says so. Think about an iceberg and polar bears waltzing mm. on the iceberg and the more i'm thinking yeah. about polar bears waltzing on the iceberg before you know it's it genius. i'm not thinking about the that's pink right. elephants anymore so that's yeah. kind of the same idea okay. here how do i i need to have a replacement strategy so it could be actually helpful to go through each of these six negative emotions yes and they all right when it comes to shame are there common are there common automatic negative mm. thoughts that come out whenever i'm feeling shame yes or if i'm feeling anger like if I'm feeling angry with my wife, 
Yeah. Do I, you know, she, why does she always do that? Why is she always, and I'll notice I'm using the word always a lot, right? Yes. Why is she always this way? Why does she never do that? Mm. And, and recognize what are those automatic negative thoughts that happen whenever I get angry with yeah. my wife? Can I come Good. up with already preemptively a plan to replace those thoughts? Yes. Yeah, and that's gold, you know, that's gold, Marcus. And we have exercises in our book that does that very thing. That's gold to be able to recognize for each emotion. I love that. And I bet we all can probably think of a few that come to mind that we'd like to replace. Well, it happens even as parents. Like we have one kid walk in the room and we have one set of emotions. Another yes. kid walks in the room. Right. We had a different set of yeah, emotions. Right. Yep. And you're like, because why? What am I thinking? Yeah. What, what are the beliefs that are, are behind some of those things? So we need to learn how to take those thoughts captive yes. to how to uh, attack those toxic thoughts. So there's another process for helping us deal with our anxiety, especially. And we call this calming a thought storm. So I wrote a book with... Uh, Stephanie Hinman called Building Bounce, and Stephanie's an art therapist from Kansas City. She works with a lot of children who've gone through high trauma. Mm -hmm. And one of the things uh, that they teach is um, a three-step process for calming a thought storm, and it is basically you write out what's the worst thing that could happen. And that's usually easy for us when we're anxiety. What's yeah, the worst right. thing that happened, right? Yep. I could lose that's everything. Right. <laughs> yep, that's right. We're good on that one. Yeah, then we write down, so what's the best thing that could happen? And sometimes nice. when you're in a state of anxiety, that's hard to even come up with because you're not thinking in those terms. But it gets you to think through, well, you know, this is the best that could happen. Yep. And then right. thirdly, you write out what's most likely to happen. So mm -hmm. that's key. And so what it does is it just helps you get your thoughts out. Yep. Right, so it's not just all nice. up here, but That's you're writing good. it down. Yep. In fact, I ran this by a retired general who told me that they teach this in the mm. army as a way of calming that uh, those wow. racing thoughts. Yep. So, what's the worst? What's the best? Mm. What's most likely? And then the last thing is you write out a like a one to three step plan based on what is most likely to happen. Yeah. So a one-step plan is, I'm going to call this person, or nice. I'm going to do this one thing. Good. A two-step plan, I'm going to call this person, and I'm going to you know, do something else. Yeah. So the idea, though, is you don't want a five-point semi-bulleted. You know, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. You write a book. Yeah, you yeah. don't need to, to do all that. Yeah. So calming thought storms is important because we all face anxiety from time yeah. to time. We're all trying to deal with the what-ifs of life. Yep. So as we uh, uh, wrap up this, this episode, just a reminder that uh, you can find out more about this at fourhabits.org. And actually, it doesn't matter whether you put the number four or spell out four, they'll both take you there. So fourhabits.org, you can get links to the three books that we wrote, uh, The Four Habits of Joy-Filled People, uh, The Four Habits of Joy-Filled Marriages, uh, The Four Habits of Raising Joy-Filled Kids. Uh, we also find opportunity to... Uh, start the 28-day challenge, right? 28 Days to Joy Challenge. And Chris, you've put together some exercises. You want to tell us a little bit about those? Yeah, you know, these are 28 days to really create a habit. And so these are all little joy exercises you can do in a matter of minutes, Marcus, and they're very practical. You can sit down and practice an exercise a day for 28 days. This creates a really strong habit. Yeah, so that's the idea is that it takes your brain 28 days to form a habit. And so we're going to let you get jump started on that because we want to help you also become a joy-filled person. Mm -hmm.